Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number four. Some people want me to be heads or tails. I say no way, try again another day. I should be happy, not tipping the scales. I just won't play, letting my life get away. Are you addicted to Neo slash Urban Kizomba? Do you spend most of your free time watching Kizomba videos on YouTube and Facebook? Do you daydream about someday traveling to Europe to dance Kizomba? If you answered yes to any of these questions, get off your butt and head to the second annual Neo Kizomba Festival in Austin, Texas. We are bringing some of the top European instructors and DJs to you here in the U.S. Lawrence and Adeline, Isabel and Felicien, Anna Labon, and DJ Snakes. This is all going down July 8th to the 10th in Austin, Texas. Find out more and grab your pass before the next price increase at neokidsfest.com. Again, that's neokidsfest.com. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. The podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello. Thank you for checking out today's show. I just wanted to take a quick moment and apologize in advance for the audio quality of this week's podcast. I figured it will be best to post the content and allow you guys to take value from the awesome interview here with Laura Riva and allow you to hear her mind. There's a lot of value out there for leads and follows in the dance scene. And as I move forward with this podcast, we're definitely going to be dedicated to making sure the audio quality is the best it can possibly be. Again, I apologize for audio quality. Next week, it'll be fixed. Without further ado, here's this week's podcast. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. And we're here today with our special guest, Laura Riva. If you haven't heard of Laura, she has a blog called The Dancing Grapevine. I'll let her talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But the way that I found out about her first was through her blog. And her blog was very insightful that I had to write her a message and kind of like pick her brain. It's like, I love your blog. I love the way your mind works about dance and kind of adding that extra insight into just outside of the steps and the patterns, more about the etiquette, more about the connection, more about the process of dance that we've all come to love and enjoy. So I'll go ahead and let Laura speak a little bit about herself. Thanks for having me on today, uh, Charles. I'm, like he said, my name is Laura Riva. I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. Uh, I'm one of the senior instructors at the Zook Productions, which is a Brazilian Zook dance school uh, based out of Toronto. My partner and I are also the co-organizers of Canada Zook Congress and Vision Dance Encounter, which are two events that we have up here in Toronto. We travel a lot both nationally and internationally in terms of teaching and whatnot and also have our own programs. And in the spare time that I have, I write the Dancing Grapevine. It's kind of, I guess, my creative outlet. If you guys haven't subscribed or checked out the website, after you listen to the podcast, you definitely have to go and read some of her blogs. If you read one, you're going to want to read like five more and you just end up spending like an hour reading her blogs. They're that <laughs> insightful. They're really well put together. So just like her writing style in general really 
stood out to me and as far as like other dance blogs that I've read. But today's topic is going to be the skill of following and how that in the dancing can sometimes be undermined. And Laura has several blogs on this particular topic that I've read over the past couple of months about just following in general and being a light follower and being underappreciated as a follower as well. My experience as far as following kind of like my philosophy is that a leader can get started and he can learn patterns, he can learn moves and things like that. But what's really going to help him excel at leading is getting feedback. And that feedback is going to be coming from an experienced follower. And I feel it's really, really, really super important to have an experienced follower to be able to give leaders feedback in a workshop, in a class, in a private, whatever the learning environment is. I feel like a follower is really going to help a leader polish his lead. And this stood out to me more than really, really, I guess, blatantly in a workshop that I was teaching and we were short follows. So I was like, okay, I'll just go ahead and start following because I already taught the guys the patterns. And so I, I circled through the rotation one particular time and it was really super eye-opening because I was like, oh, MJ, you guys, your feet are moving to the beat on time, but like your lead is like all over the place. Some people were like really super soft. Some people were like super rough and tense. Some people were using the wrong part to move the, the follower around the place. It was really eye-opening. So as much as I do teach on my own from a leader's perspective, I really try to have an experienced follower there on the workshop as well to help provide that insight. And I'll go ahead and let Laura speak on this as well. That's that's honestly that sounds like an amazing strategy that you have going there. Um, in in my experience there's there's nothing wrong with teaching classes solo. I do that sometimes. My partner does that sometimes as well, even if we don't have an experienced leader follow, provided that the instructor understands what they're doing from both sides of the partnership. For sure. And also, too, uh, one thing that I do see tends to happen with solo instructors is I tend to see men getting more prestige and more acclaim than traveling solo female artists. Uh, and I've actually, I've asked some leads at times and an answer that I occasionally get, not always, like it's it's important to note that not everyone feels that following is somehow a less valuable asset uh, in terms of dance skills than leading. Uh, but there are a number of people whose response to saying why they prefer a solo male instructor to a solo female instructor is, oh, well, I'll, I know that he can lead me. And like follows don't need to know patterns. So it's just more important that the teacher can lead than the teacher can follow. Uh, and that to me kind of encapsulates this, this attitude that we have in a lot of dance scenes where where the follows become almost a prop to the dance they're they're a passive component rather than an active component it it becomes dance as something being done to them um which in turn devalues the fact that following is an extremely complex skill uh just as complex as leading in basically every way 
Yes, for sure. I think it's really important for our, our listeners to understand this is not limited to Zouk or Kizomba. I mean, it goes from West Coast Swing to Salsa to Bachata to Tango. Um, the, the whole concept of equally valuing the leader's skill and also the follower's skill is super, super important that the students understand this so they don't undermine the follows. And I've definitely heard a lot of similar, um, what should I say, comments as far as like the followers feeling just as props in a workshop or in a learning class environment for dance to where they aren't really being spoken to or given tips and advice and things like that. And also like what you said before, like if the instructor is solo, he should understand the following and the leader aspects of that as well. And one thing that I've realized here at the dance scene, if you see like some of the international talent across um, many dance scenes, you'll see that typically he has a dedicated partner. And I feel like that dedicated partner or follow is really, really super important to help him elevate to that kind of elite status of a lead. I, I would say it's really hard to find a leader who has reached that acclaim without an official partner, so to speak, to train with and kind of help them polish and create and give them the proper feedback need them to kind of create his own style or really get that advanced in intermediate patterns and footworks and connection into place. And Yeah, whenever you have like at, when you're functioning at a high international level, you you basically ninety percent of the cases need to have someone there because when you're being hired as an artist, there's so many elements. There's the teaching, there's the performing, mm-hmm. and there's the fact that when you're traveling as a solo instructor, um, some like when you think about international couples, there's some people who really, really like the follow in the couple. And then there's other people who really like the lead of the couple. Uh, So when you're traveling as a couple, in some ways you have more pull than as a single artist, simply because people have their favorites that they've seen on YouTube and they'll follow those favorites. And it's a lot harder to have those YouTube hits when you're a solo dancer and you can't publish videos of your demos and your performances and things like that. I agree. Um, I'm kind of in a similar, I guess, predicament as far as not having an official partner right now. And I feel that it is, it's easier to travel because I guess it's less expensive to like just pay for one flight and just one instructor to pay. So I make more money and the organizers or the promoters don't have to spend as much to get me there. But I do feel that I cannot dance at my highest level. So if you want to really showcase your style, you need to have somebody who can kind of flow with you at an advanced level. And then also like in the workshop environment as well, like when you have two people on deck that are helping and you guys both have a common goal to kind of really make sure the followers are taken care of and the leaders are taken care of and both leaders and followers get the same value and insights from that workshop or things like that, I feel is really, that's the ideal situation for sure. When you do have a couple coming out to a Congress or festival or workshop or what have you. Yeah. I, I wanted to touch on something else that you, you mentioned earlier, which was uh, the actual teaching in the workshops and the, the follows feeling a little bit by, like props, so to speak. Yes. I remember I think there's a blog that you wrote that says just follow and how that should be banned. And I think that might be tying into where you're going, but go ahead. 
Yeah, there are, some people took issue with the idea of banning the term just follow. Um, but I, I actually had a very specific reason for uh, suggesting that. And honestly, myself at times, I've said like, just follow to people um, unintentionally. But there's there's a message when you say to someone, just do something, just do this, just do that. It, it implies a level of easiness, so to speak. Like, if you're just going down the street or you're just running out for something, it's very different than like, oh, I'm going out to do this thing. Um, and so when you're when you're in a workshop and you have a room where half of your audience, sometimes more, uh, are follows and the, the information that you give them is just follow, well, what happens if they can't just follow? Because like, to be truthful, most of the time when we're social dancing, we're not getting ideal leads. We're not getting the ideal that we're hoping for in the classroom. And usually the people in the class aren't doing the ideal because they're learning. So when, when, you, when you take these things into account, it tells me that we have to reevaluate how we're actually teaching to the follows themselves as well. And we need to remove this idea that they're just going to do it and go along with it. They have to learn how do I adjust myself to a lead that's too strong, not strong enough. Do I follow or do I wait to be led? Uh, and when I say that, I mean, if they're having troubles filling all the gaps as a lead, do you feel, fill them in for the lead or do you just stand there until they lead you? Because quite frankly, if, if there's nothing wrong in a classroom setting with standing there and waiting to be led. But if you go onto the social dance floor as a follow and every single time that a lead isn't leading something 100% correctly, you just stand there and don't do anything, you're not going to be a very popular social dance partner. Agreed. <laughs> so there are two things based on what you just said that I want to kind of dive into with you. One of them would be kind of active follow versus a passive follow. And then there's yet another wonderful written, wonderfully written blog by you on compensating for your dance partner on the dance floor. So let's talk about the active and the passive first. In my opinion, I like dancing with the active follow. I don't, I feel like the just follow comment leans or kind of pushes the mindset of, okay, it's just there. I'm just going to be kind of waiting for my lead. I don't have anything to say. It's just going to be like this top down, do as I say, and that's the end of the story. But I mean, if we're talking about two equal components here, dancing on the dance floor, I love to see when a follow expresses something that they're hearing in the music and I can kind of play with that or adjust my lead to express what it is and kind of like we dance in that moment together. Or if a follow is able to style something without interfering with my lead, it makes the dance so much more enjoyable than just dancing with the follow who just does what I lead and that's it. Because every, I mean, I feel like the follow should have a chance or an opportunity to express her personality and what she likes in the song at the same time. And as far as the dance conversation, like you were saying before, when follows aren't getting ideas, which is probably the majority of the time in the social dance floor, depending on where you are and what the skill level is. And if you had a Congress versus like a local social or things like that, um, even leaders have to adjust to their follows all the time. So I feel if the follow is actively adjusting 
and the lead is actively adjusting as well. That kind of creates the ideal space for the best dance possible at that particular time, you know? Yeah, I think the the first thing that I kind of want to do is demystify the terms active and passive following. Um, so when when most people think about active following, they think of back leading and they think of follows who aren't actually following. Um, and this is, this is a critical thing to understand is that active following is still the act of following. It's not the act of dancing on your own. Sure. Uh, the, di the difference between active and passive is passive is the follow that allows things to be done to them. The active follow is the person who steps up and says, I'm going to take an active participation in this dance and I'm going to engage with my partner on the same level and actively put myself in the dance. And there's there's a lot of girls who I've met who when when I tell them that active following is a preferable thing, they say, oh, I just want to I just want to think or I sorry, I just don't want to think. I just want to just let the guy control the dance and i just want to you know not think for a bit i'm like that's that's valid and stuff but like we don't like it with the lead doesn't think like because it's very possible when you're an advanced lead you can just not think and just do the patterns that are you know easy and there and at the forefront of your mind but that's not a very interesting dance we don't like that so i don't I don't see how it's fair that we expect the leads to be on top of musicality and to give us the variation and all of this, this extra that we're craving. And then we're sitting there, we're just like, just move me. Like I'm your puppet and I'm just going <laughs> to chill and you can do all of the work. That's not fair. That's not a partnership. <laughs> I agree completely. And I feel like when you do have, follows that kind of take the back seat on the dance and they're not really connecting with you they're not feeling the different intentions and stuff like that it definitely does kind of take away from the dance a little bit or it's not the most ideal situation when you have a follower that's like hanging on to every step that you make and really giving you her undivided attention while at the same time letting you lead the dance those dances are so much more enjoyable and fulfilling and those are the ones that you go run and tell your friends about at the after the end of the social or a Congress or things like that. Those are the ones that you remember. You don't remember the, the ones where you just kind of like, okay, we're dancing, I'm leading her, but I don't have her undivided attention. Mm -hmm. And you can honestly, you can see that it's not, it's not always the best follows on a dance floor that are uh, these memorable dancers very often you can get people who are extremely technically skilled and they're they're following beautifully or they're leading in that for that matter beautifully <laughs> and everything just feels completely flat you, know, you can have someone who comes into a dance they've been doing it like three months they can do basics and they have like an okay connection and people have a blast dancing with them because they're investing more than just the baseline in the dance and they're actually connecting and when we say once again with the with the act of following that can be everything from uh giving the same level of connection in towards the partner and actually pushing your feet through the steps instead of just mm -hmm. walking and giving it that little extra flair and that extra depth that's that's where the the intrinsic nature of active following comes in 
um, not necessarily like creating your own moves because while this can happen okay with some advanced follows, I don't really recommend just taking over the dance for most follows. Um, but you can certainly bring more to the dance and add some enrichment to the dance based on what you're feeling and doing. Definitely, definitely. I would say some of my most memorable dances are when, whether it be salsa bachata or kizomba, when a follow understands the reason why I'm, because I consider myself to be a very musical dancer. When the follow knows the reason why I'm doing certain moves and she hears the inspiration of the sound that's inspiring the movement that I'm doing at that particular time and she matches that intention, uh, that's that's very, 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 very nice. And that requires a lot of awareness of my lead, awareness of her body, awareness of the music that kind of all come in together in that one particular move or that one particular dance, you know? Mm-hmm. No, those are definitely Look. the most magical dances. Yes, for sure. Um, Laura, let's talk a little bit about uh, equality between leading and following. Um, I remember there was a blog that you wrote that that was entitled to the leads who feel I should follow everything. And uh, we kind of yeah. talked about the leads who kind of have this superior mindset sometimes and they think, well, you're just supposed to do what I say and that's it. You're not allowed to do anything from that standpoint. And that's not always the best case to really connect with somebody on the dance floor. Can you share your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, first of all, the, that particular argument was spurred because of an article I had written a couple of days earlier, uh, which was actually supposed to be a very positive story and ended up getting taken really badly by some guys in the scene. Uh, so a little bit of the backstory on that. I, I danced Brazilian Zouk, and when I was overseas teaching in Europe, uh, I had this one dance with this nice guy and he he had a lot of patterns and flair and he was actually very musical but oh my lord he was hauling me around like i thought my arm was gonna come off and he tried to do a hammer lock uh which is where basically your arm gets twisted um behind your back and your forearm is flat with your back it's the popular salsa move but it's also mm-hmm. present in brazilian zouk and I didn't follow it because uh, hammer locks can be very dangerous for your shoulder joint if they're led with too much force. And it was really forceful. Uh, instead of continuing the dance, he tried to lead it again with more force. And I, again, declined to do the movement, at which point he took his other arm and started to try to turn me into the hammer lock, I guess, assuming I didn't know what he was asking for uh at which point i kind of prepared myself for a little bit of a fight and i verbally said to him the reason i'm not going there is because you're hurting me and it's it's too much force you don't need to use that much force on me and uh so he stopped and he he looked at me um but to this guy's credit he completely changed his entire approach to the dance and we ended up having about three or four really, really nice dances in a row. Uh, So when I wrote the original article, I was intending to highlight on this idea of actually like listening and responding to your partner and the fact that a dance that's going badly can be rescued if you can swallow your ego and get back on your partner's wavelength, Mm -hmm. right? Instead, what I got was comments like, oh, you're such a princess. No one probably wants to social dance with you if you're that much of a diva and aren't following this. And he probably thought you were a beginner. Na, 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 na. Uh, OMG. 
which was hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, it got me it got me a little bit pissed off. So I decided to write a response, which was to the leads who think I should follow everything. And my my stance on following is if I don't feel safe for whatever reason doing the thing that you are asking me to do, I am not going to do it. And there's no way you're going to force me into it without breaking me. Um, so part of this was the, the kind of responses that I'd heard, like, for example, oh, he probably thought you were a beginner. Well, it doesn't make it okay to force people into these <laughs> movements because they're a beginner. Like, that's that's more of a warning flag. It doesn't matter why exactly, she's not following sure. it, but if you think she's a beginner, why the freak are you trying to force her there? She doesn't know what she's doing. Exactly. Um, and if it's an advanced answer that's declining, maybe they're injured. Like, I had three or four girls who actually private messaged me and said, like, I have, like skeletal or muscular problems that make these moves very dangerous for me. Thank you for writing this because I've gotten injured so many times because I felt like I had to go and follow something that wasn't safe for me. It's not, it's not that the leads are trying to injure these girls. Obviously no lead is trying to injure these women. Otherwise, like I would be having a very, very different conversation. Um, But it's, it's this idea that the women feel this obligation to live up to what the lead is doing. And these leads feel entitled that, well, if you knew what I was doing, you should have done it. And it doesn't matter what the risk is to yourself. Your job is to follow me, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's, it's a partnership. You, you don't dip the girl to the floor because she wants to be dipped. If she's going to throw out your back, cause she's giving you all her weight. Like <laughs> we would never expect that of a lead. Why do we expect the follow to be dipped uh, at her own personal peril? Yeah, and it, doesn't, sure. it doesn't matter if it's an instructor who's drunk and is going a little crazy or if it's a beginner who's just pulling a little too hard. It doesn't matter who the frick it is or who the frick you are. You don't endanger yourself. Um, and I guess the, the last thing on that is then there was the, the subset that decided to say to me, um, well, I would have had to have seen the dance to see if you were justified in not following that. <laughs> Um, and I was sitting there and I was like, really? Like you have to, you have to judge whether or not I'm qualified to decide what's safe for my body. <laughs> like, does this, does this seem right to you? Like you, you don't know what he feels like. You don't know what my capabilities are. I could be healing from an injury. Exactly. And then, then you see, like, I know, I don't know if you saw this, but on Facebook a few months ago, there was a, I think she was a salsa instructor. Who yes, I did see that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same story over and over and over again. There was another girl in Brazilian Zouk who ended up retiring from the scene because of a guy who dipped her the wrong way and did terrible things to her spinal column. And these things happen and you yes, need to give follows the option to actually protect themselves and take away this obligation that you're just a plaything for the lead. You're not exactly. a plaything. You're 50% of the dance. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I think it's really important. I mean, just kind of hitting on those points that we talked about already, like the equality between both roles, um, both people being present and if a follow is an active follow, she is assessing the lead and choosing what to follow and what not to follow, making sure that she is 
being safe and she's kind of protecting herself in the instance that Apollo does something either intentionally or by accident that could put her in danger, you know? Um, and that kind of goes into like even dancing and like, if you feel like you're um, at a higher level than your follow, then you should really scale your skill level to that follow at that particular time to make sure that you're not doing anything that's going to make her um, become injured, let alone, okay, let's try to make sure that she walks away from the dance with a smile, you know? You can dance a little bit above her level to give her the challenge, yeah, but you're not trying to do anything that's going to put her in danger or you're not trying to dance so high to where she feels like she can't follow anything and she's just flying by the edge of her seat for the whole dance and she's not really calm and relaxing and kind of enjoying it, you know? So yeah. I, I definitely agree on that, on that safe thing. What were you going to say? I was just going to mention on that, like, yeah, it's, it's great to, to push your partner's limits and to, to take them a little bit further than they're used to going. That can be really thrilling, but it, it crosses from pushing the limits a little bit to being downright, assaulting the second mm-hmm. you try to force her through a movement she's not getting sure. so like i'm using a brazilian zook example here but like if you're trying to do upper body movement and she's just not responding to the upper body movement she's not going to learn it while she's social dancing with you no matter how good a follow or sorry no matter how good a lead you are For sure. she's not going to learn it so move on Exactly. Don't sit there and like contort her body and be like, ha I made you do it. See, exactly. you're above your level now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, if you're able to lead a girl through something that she's never done before smoothly and like calmly, like that's a, a compliment to your lead, you know, but you're not forcing it, you know, and that kind of yeah. takes that attention of like, okay, how much force am I going to use to lead something? If it's too much force, okay, let me take away from whatever it is I'm trying to do it and do something else if it's not working, you know? And you, sometimes you see those guys that try to do a move and like the move doesn't go. And I want to say 90% of the time it's because they're not leading it right. Um, and then they end up trying to teach the girl on the dance floor to kind of like, oh, your foot is supposed to do this or you're supposed to do that. I'm like, well, like if you let it correctly, more than likely she will follow through it. And if you are trying to force something advanced on a beginner follower, then you're not really paying attention to her skill level to begin with. You just want to do this pattern for the sake of the pattern, but the pattern isn't shouldn't be your main focus right now. It should be dancing with the person at the skill level that they're at at that particular time, you know? And yeah. I even feel like as a leader, instead of trying to force things, like I, I almost feel like sometimes, especially when I'm dancing salsa, and you want to talk about floor craft and like keeping your partner safe, you know, it's like, let alone, let's not force patterns. Let's make sure that my follow is like, in the opportune time, she's not going to bump into anybody else. Nobody else is going to bump into her. And I'm protecting my follow as well as leading her at the same time to making sure she doesn't get hurt. Um, and I feel like it even takes a higher level of attention, you know? Mm-hmm. And actually on that, on that subject, an active follow is also in a position to make sure a more novice lead is safe mm-hmm. because we see behind your head <laughs> yes. dancing with you. Uh, maybe less in Kizomba because I know that that tends to have a lot of eyes closed in it. Yes. Um, but uh, at least uh, in the dance genres that I've done, half the time it ends up being the follow who's aborting things that are going in the wrong direction simply because she sees what's coming before the lead does exactly and you can pull the lead out of the way if something's coming their way or you can For give sure. them resistance and a, and a responsive lead will be like oh something's up 
Hmm. Exactly. I've had many followers like kind of tap my shoulder if I'm walking backwards and I'm about to hit like another partner or something like that because they're aware. And I always think I'm all thanks because you're kind of like being like my rear view mirror almost on the dance floor and I can't see everything that's going on, you know? So that's that's completely awesome that both people are trying to keep each other safe and that kind of goes back into the same overarching theme of like respecting the the skill of both. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and finish off the podcast here with some advice. And I want, I've heard some followers say that they've tried the active following thing or tried styling or tried doing thing and it throws the lead off. And I wonder if you had any advice for doing that. I know you've written some, a couple of blogs on test driving your lead. So I wonder if you can share some of those insights with our listeners. Um, on, in terms of styling, um, styling to me is kind of the last thing that gets added into your dancing. And no matter what you're learning in dance, there's always, there's always a period of awkward before it becomes cool. So if you're trying to figure out how to style and you're like confident in your following and you're trying to figure out how to add this other thing in, and sometimes it's a little rough in the beginning, that's normal. That's just a growing pain. That's like the lead figuring out how to lead that cool new pattern and it feels a little bit robotic, but you can see where the intention is going. So that I wouldn't worry about as much. In terms of freaking out your lead, if you're freaking out the lead with something that you're doing, it's probably because they're not ready for it. Uh, they're, they're at a level where they're more scared of a follow who's starting to do her own thing than they are receptive. And that doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It just means that this particular lead needs the comfort food version of a follower rather than the fine dining. (laughs) I like that reference. Yeah. So you just gotta be, you just gotta be there and comfortable and happy. Um, Throw them in the, like if you're throwing them in the kitchen the first few times, start with the craft dinner and work your way up to like homemade sushi. But if you start throwing everything at them within their first couple months, social dancing, where they're just mm-hmm. figuring out that they can move two bodies at the same time, they're going to freak out. It's like the beginner follow who's walking and then suddenly they're doing all of these turns and they're like, what's happening to me? My world is upside down and I don't know what's going on. And now I'm scared. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's our version of compensating for the lead. Um, but in terms of active following, uh, if you're trying to deepen the connection and the lead pulls away, really your only two options are to kind of hope that they come back and join you or to descend to whatever plane that they're comfortable on. And my general rule of thumb is whoever is less comfortable with connection sets the pace. So you can ask for more, but if if you feel the tension and you feel the reluctance to go into a place like that, and I know especially in Kizomba, connection is such an important thing. Um, you you have to cater to the lowest common denominator, not the not the highest level. Uh, it's, it's dancing can be a very intimate thing, and if you're not used to having intimacy with almost total strangers, uh, it can be in some ways very frightening. Yes, for sure. Um, And so part of what helps to create that deeper connection is actively listening and actively following 
what their comfort level is. And then once you're both in that comfortable place, it's easier to start building up a little bit of a deeper connection. But if you just once again, take them and chuck them in the deep end of the pool and you're like, swim for it, mm-hmm. rather than like walking them in from the shallow end, it's, it's harder. So reach the deep place together. Don't go there and try to drag the other person down to you. You have to go together. <laughs> yes, for sure. And I think the main, I, like, I want to say hashtag trust, just to like everything that you just said, like you have to build that trust with your partner. You have to connect with your partner. You have to kind of figure out, okay, this is where she's at. This is where I am. Let's see if we can develop some trust so we can kind of get on the same page together to make the dance so much more enjoyable for both of us for however long it is that we're going to be dancing. Yeah. I think a perfect example, if you think about, I don't know if you do this in Zouk, but sorry, in Kizomba, but in Zouk, um, the very first day, we don't take our brand new dancers and teach them thigh-to-thigh connection, which is a thing in Brazilian Zouk. Mm-hmm. We, we don't take them there on their first day because they'll leave and they'll never come back. <laughs> um, but by the time that you've been dancing for a year or two, it's the regular but just because it's regular for you, when you take the person who's out on their first social dance, you don't you you dance maybe an open hold or a very very open closed hold. You don't mm-hmm. you're not right there because they're just exactly. not there yet. Let them get there. That'll be the equivalent <laughs> of dancing tadashinya or or leading tadashinya or teaching tadashinya with somebody's first class. And tadashinya is typically the more a uh, sensual hip style movement where the guy has his hands above the girl's hips and he's kind of manipulating the girl's hips. Um, some girls love it, but I mean, it takes a really good lead to kind of do it properly, do it with the right amount of force, do it with the right amount of musicality and still have his basics down. So it's definitely an extension of the foundation of Kizomba to be able to shift your weight. And the guy has to have some body movement of his own, you know? So you can't teach all that right off the bat for sure. And you don't force that on a newbie beginner either because you want her to have a good time. And it goes like, hey, you're creating trust for her to continue to come out and learn and come out and dance until she's able to get to those more high level and more intimate connections that are in either Bizuk or, or Kizoma, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's funny that you mentioned Tarashinya, because the very first time that I ever went to Kizomba, it was mostly people attempting to do Tarashinya. Yeah, so I, I think like... I, I did not know what I was doing, <laughs> and it was a very interesting experience. And I mean, my, my comfort threshold is already quite high, because I dance uh, Brazilian Zouk, mm-hmm. but I'm not used to people grabbing my hips and moving them. Yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, all yes. right, I'm comfortable. I'm not that comfortable. So okay. on that note, um, Tadashinya is typically what I, what I see on the on the dance floor, which is not the ideal situation, but what I see on the dance floor, and I'm at social sometimes, is that guys will use Tadashinya as like their escape because they don't have anything else in their tool belt to do on the dance floor. Or they have another intention is like, oh, okay, let me go ahead and let this girl, let this girl know how sexy I think she is with doing <laughs> And they're trying to hit on the girls. And that happens in the dance scene. I mean, it's, it's human nature to a degree, but at the same time, there needs to be etiquette and respect and things like that, you know? 
So that's what I see on the dance floor. But ideally, Tarashinya is like kind of like that extra sprinkles on your dance. It's not like the main dance, unless you are listening to like a straight up Tarashinya song to where it's re- expected to dance Tarashinya for the whole song because you are listening to Tarashinya music, which comes under the, the Kizoma umbrella. But more often than not, if you go to Kizoma party, they're not going to throw out straight up Tarashinya until like the wee hours of the night, you know? <laughs> When everyone's tired and is just okay with that. Exactly. My first trip to Europe was the Central Dance Festival and they had a Tadashinya after party. It was like a glow-in-the-dark party, so it was like really, really dark. And that was from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. So that was my first experience. But, I mean, in Europe, they can kind of take it because the leads have kind of are more advanced and more developed and more experienced. Um, here in the U.S., I mean, if they're using it and they're dancing – they're listening to like more traditional kizomba and they're doing tarashinya they don't they're they're still very inexperienced at that particular time i would agree with that well laura i definitely appreciate you taking time out of your day to come and talk with me about dance and your insights um listeners that you listen to her she has a wealth of knowledge definitely like i said before check out her blog the dancing grapevine anytime she posted her blog on her page i have several neo keys on the pages and i've shared them on all my pages all the time um her blogs are that good and this is the main reason why she's on the podcast right now and hopefully she'll be on some other podcasts up here in the future so we can talk about different elements of dance and things like that um do you have any parting words of advice for our listeners and also let them know how to find out more about you uh yeah i think the biggest thing for me is just thank you for for inviting me to uh speak on your podcast and thank you for initially reaching out to me about the blog um if you want to visit the blog the web address is www.d as in delta z o u k dot com slash grapevine so www.dzouk dot com slash grapevine um we also run canada zook congress so if you feel like learning some brazilian zook we have a whole beginner intermediate and advanced track there uh tickets are on sale so come visit us in canada i promise it's warm here in the summer (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much laura thank you so much listeners for checking out our podcast thank you for checking out the dance your heart on fire podcast today be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey.